I want us to look in Job, chapter number 1, and um, just uh, the Lord directed me this way, just last minute, and um, I don't even have it marked in my Bible, and so uh, I'll have to find it as you find it. But Job chapter number 1, me and my nephew Dylan, who was here two nights, we travel a lot together. I don't like going places by myself if I can keep from it. And uh, so he'll go with me a lot of places that I go. And um, we we were sitting there talking one night in the van on the way back from uh, Lawrenceburg. And um, he... He started going over a message that with me that the Lord had been dealing with him about from Job chapter number one, and as he began to as we began to go about it, he was asking me for some help in developing it and into thinking about it, and uh, the Lord began to work in my heart about it, Amen. And so we sat there together driving down the road, and we we ironed out some thoughts, and over the next several days after that, the Lord kind of laid this laid this in there to me. And so I, I, it's a little different approach, but if you'll just bear with me, I think maybe we'll say something that'll help us. Amen. Job chapter number one. Let's stand. Let's look in verse 13. The Bible said, There was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. There came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing, and the asses feeding beside them. And the Sabians fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword. And I only, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. You tell I spit a lot on these pages. They stick together. While he was speaking, there came also another and said, The fire of God has fallen from heaven, and hath burned up the sheep and the servants, and consumed them, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While I was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The Chaldeans uh, made out three bands and fell upon the camels and have carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword, I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While I was yet speaking, there came also another and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. Behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young men, and they are dead. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. And then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head fell down upon the ground and worshipped and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I uh, return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Lord, God, I pray tonight that you'd help us. God, we know that we stand in a place where, Lord, the flesh, Lord, can do nothing of any eternal value or consequence. Lord, I, in the power of my intellect and mind or 
uh, Lord, anything else, Lord, uh, I can't say or do anything that would necessarily change the life of an individual. God, you can take the truth of your word and pick the heart of man. Lord, help us and Lord, heal us and, and do the, the work that only you can do. God, that's what we need tonight. Lord, we need you to do a work. Lord, we need to, we need to see you tonight. God, help us to leave seeing no man but Jesus. Lord, I pray tonight, whatever individuals may have brought to this place, whatever heaviness, whatever burden, whatever battle may be raging in their life, God, I pray tonight that we'd leave with a, with an essence of victory. Knowing, Lord, that these trials of faith are but temporary. There's coming a blessed day. Lord, we will awaken thy likeness never to fight another battle again. God, I thank you for it tonight in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Job's a very familiar text. A very familiar scripture tonight. And I, I know you're probably thinking, I... I come out on a Wednesday night to hear the preacher go through this again. I already know what happened to Job. Well, uh, it'll do us some good to review it for a minute. Is that okay? I, I begin to think about this, and I'm going to lay a little bit of a foundation to try to get you to see where I'm going with it. But I don't really want to focus on Job tonight. I want to focus on these servants that came back and gave a message to Job that everything they were in charge of had been lost. Everything that was they were with had been taken. And they alone are left behind. If I were going to title it tonight, I'd title it this, Dead Men Tell No Tales. I don't know if you're familiar with this film my son likes to watch. It's titled that. Anyway, I'm a liberal. Pray for me. Uh, here these servants are and they come back to Job and, and as I, I begin to study this out and look at it, I, I realize something about Job that Job is a type of Christ. And I understand when you preach typologies, there's no perfect types. You've got to be very careful with what you do. But with that being said, Job is a type and a picture of Christ in his sacrifice. In the fact that he was a man of sacrifice in his, in his perfection. He was a perfect man. Not perfect in the flesh, but he was one that feared God and served God and was obedient to what God had said. He, he is a picture of Christ concerning the law and how that he was a mediator before his family and how he desired sanctification in his life. He, he's a picture of Christ if nothing else in the fact that he's a suffering servant. So I want you to understand that when we see these servants coming back to tell Job what has took place, we could very well take this position that it would be as if one of us are going to talk to the Lord about the things that He has laid in our hands, the things that He has laid to our charge, the responsibilities and the accountability that we have to be good stewards of what God has given to us. As I think about that tonight, let's go through and just look at them real quick, at the things that were lost. Number one, we see the oxen. The Bible tells us that the oxen are slain. That those oxen are a picture of the things that you plow with. In, in essence, what I mean by that is this, is that uh, these are the things that Job had been getting work done with. 
They've been plowing with a purpose. There's a seed that needs to be sown. There's a harvest that needs to be reaped. And in that, there's a job for the oxen to do. Uh, can I say for us tonight that we're to go about bearing precious seed and sow the seed uh, wherever God gives us the, the opportunity. And with that, there's tools, there are things that, 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 that we need uh, to help us to get the job done. Aren't you thankful for the local church? Thank God for the local church. Now, y'all help me. was helping me the other night. Now, don't break nervous on me tonight. You can still say amen and stuff. You see, the local church is a good thing because the local church is God's thing. And everybody ought to belong to the local church. Everybody ought to belong. You say, well, church membership don't save you. No. It don't save your soul, but it might save your family. It might save your testimony. It might save some other aspects. It might save your mind. Oh, yes. You see, I notice these little cards here. I recognize them. We do the same thing. Uh, this track a day challenge. That's sowing seed. You know what this is? This is a little ox that helps you as you go about sowing the seed. Amen. Your prayer closet is a little ox where you go in and you pray and you ask God to help and to touch as you go out and to witness and, and to be alive to a lost and dying world. Here. And these servants come back and they come to Job when they say, we've lost all the oxen. The ability to prepare the fields is no longer there. The things we need to harvest and to reap are no longer there. They're gone. And I alone am left to tell thee. Then the asses, the asses are taken. The thing that uh, packs the burden, the thing that carries the load. We see the devil doesn't just attack what Job had been working with, but we see the devil attacks what Job had been burdened with. You see what Job's servants would do is they'd take the burden of Job because they're merely servants of him. You understand tonight, we're servants of Christ. We're soldiers of the cross. We're to endure hardness as a good soldier. We're to press towards the prize and, and to mark the high call of God. We're to, to work quietest day for the night cometh when no man can work. That there's a burden, a necessity that has been laid upon us to win souls and, and help saints and, and, and do the things of God. But yet, many times, we find the thing that would help us carry our burden seems to be destroyed in our life. That's what happens to Job. You see, in the Scriptures, the, these asses are seen as things that help those that were persecuted. Those who were discouraged, depressed, defeated. They would be placed on that ass and go. I'm thinking about that woman that goes to Elijah. And she tells him to saddle the ass and to ride and said, don't take no thought of me. I've got to get to the man of God. My son's dead. I've got to get some help. I need God to do something. And so she goes up upon the ass and rides him until she gets to the man of God where the help of God is. It's a picture of those prophets that rode. And, of course, the potentate. Christ. Amen. But here comes this servant. 
He has to look his master in the eye and say, I can't bear the burdens no more because the asses are gone. The other servants came and said, I can't work no more because the oxen are gone. And then the sheep, a picture not of, not of what you plow with and not of what you're trying to pack, but a picture of your provisions. Here the devil attacks what Job had been sacrificing with. You understand up to this point, Job's been very faithful in his sacrifice. Been very faithful in, in offerings, not just for himself, but for his family. And, and peradventure that, that they've sinned. And, and so he's been very faithful in sacrifice. But the very lambs that Job would use to worship God with, the very lambs that Job would use to, to offer up as a sweet-smelling savor of God and, and to spread the blood uh, down the mercy seat of his, of his altar, uh, that, 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 that lamb that, that he would have needed is now gone. It's not there. You imagine coming and looking at the master and saying, I'm sorry, but I can't worship anymore. We can't worship anymore because our provision's gone. And then there's the camels. A picture not of your provisions, but of your passage. The devil attacks what Job had been traveling with. You see, if there was any journeys to be made, they would go on those camels. I'm reminding the scripture, there's a old preacher used to preach a, a message on the camel of grace. And how that, uh, uh, that, that grace brought that bride uh, back to the bridegroom. And, uh, friend, you and me would have to be honest. If, if we make it through this life, we're going to make it by grace. Paul said, it's by the grace of God that I am what I am. Well, aren't you thankful tonight? Aren't you thankful tonight for the good grace of God that has been manifested and manifold in your life? If God gave you what you deserve, sir, you'd be burning in the charred walls of the damned. If God gave you what you deserve, you'd be somewhere laid up in a hospital with your back broke, strung out on drugs, or worse. But you're not. You're sitting here tonight in the house of God, surrounded by the people of God, where the presence of God is real. Why is that? Because God's good, and God's gracious, and God's long-suffering, and God's loving tonight. The picture, the picture of our passage. If we make it, we're going to make it by grace. Then a picture of the servants is a picture of the people. The devil attacks the ones that Job had been working with and that Job had been working on. Huh? See, the devil is attacking everything in Job's life. We read Job and we know the other side of the story. But the devil don't. You understand that in the text, Satan doesn't understand how this is going to turn out. And this is, he don't even know that he's going to get another attempt. He don't know that he's going to get to come back and touch Job's body. And so as far as the devil's concerned, thank God, he don't, he's omnipotent. He don't know everything. God does. The end from the beginning. And here, the devil, so the, I don't know you, 
But I know me if I was the devil. I know what I'd do. He's probably smarter than I am, Toby. He's definitely better looking than you are. (laughs) If I'm going to get one chance to tear somebody down, if I'm going to get one chance to destroy somebody's life, and I'm the devil, if I'm going to get one chance to inflict as much pain and suffering that I can, I'm not going to hold anything back. I'm going to do it all. I'm going to, I'm going to give, I'm going to give it all. I'm going to do everything I can. And I'm going to do whatever I think needs to, needs to happen to destroy this. That's what the devil's doing. And he attacks these servants, these people that Job have been working with and working on. You ever been working on somebody? Preacher, you ever been worked on, working on families? And the devil come and attack? You, you, you ever been, been working on young folks? Uh, you ever been working on on a Sunday school class? You ever been working in some form of ministry? Uh, maybe even just working on your own family. You ever been working on yourself? Surely you can say amen right there. Surely you're not so lazy of a Christian. That, I mean, I, I get it. Maybe you won't work with young people. Maybe you won't work with old people. And maybe you don't like middle-aged people. But surely to goodness, you're thinking up of yourself to work with, on yourself and try to be a better Christian. And there you are working on yourself. And you look in the mirror. And there the devil shows up and begins to whisper in your ear and remind you of how sorry, low down, no good for nothing you are. And begins to try to destroy you in your own mind. And then there's the children. Not just the picture of the people, but the picture of the passion. The picture of the prize. Children are a heritage of the Lord. And there's a lot of things I'd probably let slide. You could walk up to Brother Toby and say, I am getting him back, brother. I, I didn't realize. The Lord's helping me. Thank you for that. You prayed God to help me do this, didn't you? Somebody come up, Brother Toby, and just smack him across the face. I'd stand there and think, what's he going to do? You going to take that preacher? I mean, turn the other cheek, sir. But you walk up to my eight-year-old boy and raise a hand to him. I'm going to turn the other cheek. Yours. Several times, if the Lord let me. I said, Preacher, you oughtn't talk like that. I know. Pray for me. Here, Job's lost his children. I cannot think of anything more devastating than the loss of a child. I cannot think of anything more destructive, destructive to, to one's faith, to one's fervency. I can't think of anything that would, 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 Bring such a great dark cloud of depression and defeat into the mind of an individual than to lose their child. And here, here Job has lost everything. But imagine this. Imagine that you're the servant that has to come and tell Job. Say, I'm not pe- preaching on Job tonight. I'm preaching on the servants. And each servant comes from where he's been plowing. And he comes and he's the only one left. 
He has to stand there before his master and say, I'm sorry, but the work ain't never going to be the same because the oxen are gone. And then comes the next one in and he says, I'm sorry, I'm the only one left. But the things that we've been packing, the, the things that we've been, been carrying, the things that we've been able to do, we're just not going to be able to do it like we used to. Because the asses are gone. And the next one comes in and looks at him and says, I'm sorry, I just can't worship anymore like I used to. Because the sheep are gone. You understand what I'm saying? You see, the, the reality is I found myself doing this. I found myself going into my prayer closet, sir, and getting down before, before the Lord, and tragedy has stricken my home. A trouble has entered into my life. A storms are raging on every side. And I begin to cry out to God and tell Him, say, Lord, uh, I, I'm going to try, but it ain't never going to be the same, because what I once have is no longer there. And what I used to plow with ain't there. I mean, what I used to worship with, uh, it ain't the same anymore. Would you agree it ain't the same anymore? You've been in church any time at all. You didn't realize there's a difference between back then than what there is right now. But it ain't the difference. Ain't God. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the Lord God. And He changes not. And I find myself being like one of these servants. Something happens and I feel like I go before the Lord and I, I, I have to tell Him, where I failed. You say, preacher, the servants didn't fail. The devil did it. Well, tell the servants that. You see, we're real bad to take ownership of failures, faults, things that are completely out of our control personalize them in such a way that they hinder us with our walk with God and cause us to think things can never be like they were. Because that's true. If he gets more oxen, it won't be the same oxen. There'll be training. There'll be, there'll be a learning. There's servants that's got to be bought, brought back in. There's, there's all these things that got to be done. But just because it ain't going to be the same doesn't mean it can't be better. See, this is what the devil's... This is what the devil wants to do. He wants to attack you in whatever way that he thinks he can destroy you. That he can defeat... He can't do nothing with the master. He's already tried to attack him. And he's already overcome. Y'all picking up what I'm laying down? I said it's already overcome. I ain't waiting on victory in Jesus. I've already got victory in Jesus. Thanks be unto God, to Him that gives us the victory in Jesus Christ the Lord. I've got victory in Jesus. You've got victory in Jesus. He can't do nothing with Him. He's already marched up Calvary's hill. I'm about to have myself a fit. 
Enjoy my own preaching. He marched up Calvary's hill, spread out his arms. Hey, let's go back a little further. What about back there? Let's go back a little further than that. What about back there when Moses, there in the ark? Let's go back a little further there in the garden when the devil started raging war against God. And time and time again, you see God overcoming. You see God making a way. You see God providing and making provision. Vision. There's always a lamb. Don't worry about it, Isaac. God will provide himself a lamb. Yes, neighbor. Don't worry about the fire, boys. I'll be with you in there. Don't worry about the lions, Daniel. I'll close their mouth. Hey, I'm getting some of that hallelujah hat going, ain't I? Hey, ain't nobody like him. All the way through. He's born wrapped in a swallow clothes. They're trying to kill babies. Why? Because they're trying to kill Jesus. Pharisees and the Sadducees do everything they can to derail him. But they can't do nothing. Amen. Can't do nothing with him. And then he marches up Calvary's hill, lays down his life. You imagine what it's like to crucify men for for a living, to 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 hold them down. I don't know about you, sir, but I know me. If there's any any fighting me at all, when they go to try to drive the nails through my hands, I'm fighting. I may not win, but I'm gonna give them my best shot. But here comes a man, unlike any man that has ever lived. He didn't come to live; he come to die. And he said, no man taking my life, but I lay it down freely. And when everybody else is usually fighting, he's spreading out his arms because he's faithful. And as they drive the nails in his hands and in his feet, the tears begin to roll down his cheeks, not because of the pain for them, for the scars or the the wounds, but for the ones that were driving the nails. For he knew what he was about to do was the only hope they had. And as he hung there between heaven and earth, God said it pleased God to make his soul an offering for sin. And he that knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteous of God. And God turned the lights of heaven out and separated himself from his son. And on the other side, he cried, Eli, Eli, that is my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And he gave up the ghost. They laid him in a borrowed tomb. And on the third and last day, he rose he rose, he rose, and he lives, he lives tonight. Hallelujah. I feel like preaching. Can't do nothing with him. So he's got to do something with us. Your adversary, the devil. Goeth about as a roaring lion. He's after the servants. Because the servants is his access to the master. You know what he did? He left one alive. Why? Why send one servant? Why not kill them all? Why not, why not just destroy all of them? But in each crowd... There's one left. You know what that one left behind is meant to be? 
He's meant to be a testimony of the severity of what Satan has done. He's to be a testimony of the destruction, of the death, of the devastation that is left behind when the storms of hell have raged through Job's life. And undoubtedly they felt like failures. You ever asked questions like this? Why was I the one left? Why wasn't I slain? Why'd you take them and not take me? Why was I left here after the church split? Not why was it my church? What why was it our youth group? What why why was it? Are you with me? But you see, the tale ain't over. We want to identify with our suffering. But God intends us to identify with our Savior. They were first called Christians where? There we go. Everybody is awake. Why do you reckon they were called Christians in Antioch? Because they were like Christ. Do you know what Christ's life was marked by as much as anything? Was suffering. Separation. Ridicule. And rejection. And could it be that the reason they were identified as Christians was because of the ridicule and the rejection, because of the suffering and the separation? But they didn't run around and and say, I'm a sufferer. They didn't run around and say, I'm ridiculed. Didn't run around saying, I'm recovering. Oh, I'm a Christian. I'm His. I count it all joy. I count it all, oh. I count it all joy that I may suffer for His name's sake. You see, the tale ain't over. Notice three things and I'll be done. Number one, notice... That they suffered things serving the master. I, I preach this constantly at my church and just about everywhere I go. The mark of a New Testament Christian is suffering. In a day where so much of this prosperity preaching has taken us by storm. The, the Joel Osteen God help us. Preacher, I like Brother Joel. God help you. You fix anything I mess up when I'm gone. I've had family that get caught up in that. And they'll, they'll base their, their happiness, their relationship with God, their standing in heaven on how things are going in their life. And what's happened is they'll start going to a church and they'll see an upturn in their life and they'll think, well, this is what's causing it. It's cause I'm going to church and I'm going to Sunday school and I'm, and I'm singing in the choir and I'm, and I'm, I'm listening to what I'm naming it and claiming it like the preacher said. And it's, you know, 
I'm going out and borrowing money I can't pay back to buy vehicles I can't afford and to, to buy uh, houses that I can't I can't afford to mortgage on and I'm living a, a lifestyle that is above the means that God has provided for me in my life but but God loves me and He's going to take care of it and it's going to be okay and I ain't got to worry about it I may not make that much money on my job but God owns a cattle on a thousand hill and He He can send it in if He wants to. That sounds real spiritual, except for it's real stupid. Amen? He does own a cattle on a thousand hills. And they're his. And if he wants to give you one, he can, but he don't have to. Bunch of, to watch myself. I'm getting a little too loose. It's like I'm at home. You see, that's silly. Because I watched that crowd. Man, I watched them. Man, they done. They was doing real good. But then, about six months in, they started showing up and taking their stuff back. They 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 rolled up with a rollback and took back the vehicles. And they came in and they loaded up on the trailer all the side to sides. And they came in and they stuck foreclosure notices on the, on the door of the house. And, and then all of a sudden they're like, well, where's God at? Why, how come God's failed me? What's wrong? And, and then that same preacher that told them that God would take care of everything is now telling them it's a problem on your end. It's not God's end. You must not have enough faith. You must not believe enough. There must be some sin in your life. Maybe you ain't sold enough money into our ministry. Give us more money and maybe God will give you your things back. Sounds real spiritual. But it's real stupid. And then those same people start walking around thinking God's bad at them. That God's hurt them. That God's let them down. Let me tell you something, friend. You're going to get some bad news. Man is born a woman a few days and full of trouble. And you're going to leave here somehow. Some leave in a tragic car accident. Some get diagnosed with cancer. I mean, some this and some that. But every one of us is leaving out of here. There's going to be financial strains. There's going to be physical ailments. I mean, there's going to be moments when our faith grows weak. But aren't you thankful that in the midst of it all, He's greater than it all? I said, thank God. In the midst of it all, He's greater than it all. Our relationship with Him is not based on the physical things of this life, but in the eternal things of who He is and the life that awaits us. They suffered some things, but then they saw some things. The ministry of the New Testament saint isn't just suffering, it's steadfastness. Do you hear me? The ministry of the New Testament saint is not just suffering. It's steadfast. Be steadfast. Unmovable. Always abound the work of the Lord. For you know that your labor is not in vain. Endure hardness is good. I, I done quoted those verses. You see, the story of Job don't end in chapter 1. And because of that, the story of the servants don't end in chapter number 1. 
Huh? The story of Job don't end in chapter. So the story of the servants don't end in chapter number one. And as Job goes on through being faithful, the servants go on following the one that is faithful. They don't, they're not, they don't know what Job's thinking. They're just trusting the master. They don't know what Job's doing. They're just trusting the master. They don't know how it's going to work out. They're just trusting the master. And they may not show up doing what they used to do, but they're showing up doing what they can do. Well, preacher, I can't do it like I used to. That's okay. Do what you can now. Other night at dinner, you all talked, you talked to me a little bit about how you served in other ministries and bus ministries and how you prayed for children and all that God did. Isn't that a blessing? And you can't do some of the things you used to. You want to, but your body won't let you. Your mind won't let you. Things won't let you. But it doesn't mean you can't do what you can do. You can't walk around the church with a little bag of candy and make sure that somebody gets a little something sweet before the bitter preacher gets up. You may not do what you used to do, but you can do what you can't do. What happens is, is we get defeated because we can't do what we used to do. And so we sit on the pew and do nothing and don't do anything at all. Well, that ain't what God wants. You see, the, the ministry of a New Testament Christian is suffering. The ministry of a New Testament Christian is steadfastness. But then look at this. They didn't just suffer things and they didn't just see things. But they secured some things. See, the motivation of the New Testament saint is not results, but a relationship. Do you hear me? We're results oriented. We, we expect. I do this, I should get this. This should, this, if I, if I, if I put in this work, then this, this amount of harvest should come back in. Here's the thing about harvest. God's the one that's in control. One watered, one sowed. God gave the increase. Some reap more, some reap less. And that's God's business. It's not my business. It's a preacher. He's a, was a well-known evangelist. Now he pastors a little old church in South Carolina. I'm being funny. It's a big church. I took him hog hunting. Took him hog hunting, and we were friends at the time. And uh, he was all down and out because people were picking on him because he had had a big meeting and a lot of things that took place. And folks were folks were saying some things, and he was just whining and belly aching. And then, and I, I told him, I said, "Don't don't worry about it. that's that's God's business. Don't worry about the size of your ministry. Don't don't worry." If that's a one-time event, brother, it's a one-time event. That's okay. It's all right. How many how many hearts know build? How many times it flood? God, His calling was for for one work, for one occasion, and it took Him a long time to get it done. And then when it was finally finished, he had to wait on God 
to send the rain. Boy, he was mad, upset. And I was trying to console him. He said, he said, Curtis, he said, you really going to be happy pastoring up there in the hills of Tennessee? Pastoring a little old country church that run a hundred, hundred and fifty at best. You really going to be satisfied with that or are you going to let God do something real with your life? And I said, what? And I mean, it grieved me. I said, what? What do you mean? He, and he said, if I, all I have, and he, he named off was some old time preachers that if I said their names, you'd know who I'm talking about. Some of you old timers would. If, I, if my ministry don't get any bigger than what theirs did, he said, I'd consider myself a failure. I thought, my goodness. My goodness. What, what? I mean, I, I, it took me back. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to act. I guess if I'm going to tell you that part of the story, I need to tell you the whole story, don't I? Well, here's Paul Harvey's version. So I went back, and I knew that wasn't right. You know how I knew that wasn't right? The Holy Ghost. The Lord said, don't listen to that. Don't listen to that. But in my flesh, you know what I did? I listened to that. I went back to my church that Sunday and I preached and I, man, I preached. You know what they did? They just sat there. They sat there and they looked at me. I gave the invitation and they just sat there. I went back Sunday night and half of them showed up and I preached. You know what they did? They just sat there. Wednesday night rolled around and about a tenth of them showed up. I ran back and I preached. They said that. But you know what I, I got to thinking? Maybe God does want me to do something more than this. Am I really a failure? Is it bad? See, my voice is new to, to y'all. It's a, it's a new sound. I'm not saying anything different than what he said. Matter of fact, he says it a lot better, more eloquent, uses bigger words. But people have perked up to me that they've sat and listened to you for a decade and they've almost come tone deaf to you. You don't mean to. You're not doing it on purpose. It just happens. Well, I started our church and I've been pastoring there now since 2009. Many of them have been with me since the very beginning. And so, I mean, for quite a while now, my voice is what they've heard. They've heard all my jokes. You know what I'm saying? They've heard my good stuff. They, 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 my phrases that I can go out on the road and I can preach and I, I can get, I, and I can say them and it excites people. To them, it's, yeah, we've heard that ten times. And I got to thinking, man, maybe I am missing it. Because I, I mean, if, if God was really blessing me, wouldn't I have more, you know, wouldn't it be more people in the pew? Wouldn't it be more money in the offering? Wouldn't it be wouldn't it be this and wouldn't it be that? Holy Ghost come by. Said, son, that's that's sin. That's sin. Well, you're thinking sin. 
The way you view your ministry is sin. And, and the Lord gave me, out of that, the Lord gave me a series of messages on ownership. And we're real bad to take ownership of things that aren't ours. Well, that's my church. And you don't mean it. Maybe you don't mean it. But maybe you do. It's my church. It's my ministry. No, that's the Lord's. It's 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 His. It's His. You see, they secured a relationship with the Master by the things they suffered and the things they saw. That's what we do. It's not about results. It's about a relationship. And at the end of your journey, what God intends you to be is as close to Him as what you can be. God doesn't send things to make you bitter. God sends things to make you better. You know what they got to see? On the backside, Job 42:12. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. For he had 14,000 sheep and 6,000 camels and 1,000 yoke of oxen and 1,000 she-asses. It was the relationship with the master that secured the things that had been lost. Because this is what they could have done. Could have walked in and said, Lord, I'm a failure. I'm the only one left. And I've lost everything you've given me. And I'm just, I'm, I'm walking away. I'm cutting my losses. I'm not going back. That's what happens to folks. They go to church and they get church hurt. And so they just walk away. But that ain't the answer. Walking away ain't the answer. Quitting's not the answer. Stay. 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 Just walk with the Lord. You know what you're going to see? You're going to see Him restore things you never dreamed could be restored. You're going to see Him revive things you never dreamed He could revive. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. But dead men tell no tales. These servants have an opportunity for two testimonies. I alone am left. Therefore I'm going to walk away. Or I'm alone and left. And I'm going to walk on with you. For I see no other way. Will you go away also? Lord to whom shall we go? To whom, where, where are we going to go? Where are you going to go Walrich? Where, where, where are you going to go? You leave here, where are you going to go? Walk on, walk out on your family. Where, where are you going to go? Walk out on the calling and the things that God's put in your life. Go walk out on your ministry. Walk out on your marriage. Go to walk out on all them. Where are you going to go? God help us. Everybody stand. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the liberty to preach. 
God, tonight, I, I thank you for your touch. I pray, Lord, we've said something. Something that would help this place, this preacher, this people. God, thank you. Thank you for restoring things in my life. Thank you, Lord, for repairing things and, Lord, rebuilding things. Lord, doing that work that only you can do. God, tonight I pray that you'd help this place, this people, be as determined as these servants to go on with the Lord, to finish and see your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen.